Hey, all right, Bubbas. Welcome to Better Yet. I'm Tim Crisp, your host. Better Yet is a conversation that started in 2016, and it's a conversation that continues this week with a trip to our archives. We're revisiting a conversation that David Anthony and I had all the way back in 2017 about the weaker thens. This is a trip down memory lane with one of my favorite people talking about one of our favorite bands, Thank you for joining us. Thanks to all who are subscribing to the show on your podcast player of choice. I'd like to invite you to visit our website, betteryetpod.com. Check out our YouTube page, youtube.com slash at betteryetpod. How are we doing today? I'm drinking that Dagger Mountain coffee, daggermountain.com. Follow them on Instagram at daggermtncoffee. My favorite coffee roaster in the U.S. of A, right here in Valparaiso, Indiana. How we doing, Bubba's? We've had a great last few weeks here on this show. I tell you what, Mike Quigley from Washer was here. Steve Siolik from Super Violet have been having a lot of fun on this program. I've been talking a little bit more and more about things that are going on in my life lately. Recently, I was diagnosed with bipolar disorder and I've been making a lot of positive changes since my diagnosis. I'm on new meds, and this is the first time that I've been prescribed a mood stabilizer and the adjustment. I wouldn't call it fun, but it has brought so much stability to my life. I was running pretty manic for a while there, guys, especially so in the months of January and February, so... I've also been job searching for some time now. It can get tiring, a little exhausting, which is why we're taking this week off from posting a new interview. Tim needs a little time to catch up, which was honestly the reason why David and I recorded this episode in the first place. All the way back in February of 2017, it was less than a year into doing better yet, but back then we were booking in-person interviews for a weekly interview podcast. I was just running myself ragged, and David and I had recently um, started to become friends after I started doing Better Yet. He was working at the AV Club at the time, and I hit him up asking if he'd be interested in recording an episode where we just talked about a band, something a little lighter for a change, and we quickly decided on the weaker thans. We did another one of these uh, about Jawbreaker, and that's available in our archives, betteryetpod.com, and eventually we would do a whole podcast together called As You Were, a podcast about Alkaline Trio. Check that out if you haven't already. Also available on betteryetpod.com. Obviously, we have a lot to say about the weaker thans in this episode, and we'll get to that, but boy, if there's a band that can lift this kid up when he's down it's the fucking weaker than so here's a reminder to anyone who needs it that warm blankets are there for us and so are our friends all right that's enough of me we'll be back to our regularly scheduled programming next week bubba's for now here's me and david anthony talking about the weaker thans so when I first heard The Weaker Than, I didn't like them very much. Uh, and that's because I came to them, it was the early 2000s, and uh-huh. I was a huge Propagandi fan. Yeah, sure. Huge. Uh-huh. Still am. Uh-huh. 
But like I loved Less Talk More Rock, their second record, and I fucking hated John's songs. Uh-huh. Like I don't know, something about his voice in in that record, like where he's just kind of singing these songs like Anchorless or like yeah, yeah, Gifts, yeah. Uh-huh. which don't add to what that record meant to me. Uh-huh. So I was just like, why would I listen to The Weaker Thans? Like, right, right, right. Like, I want more shitty songs from that dude. I had a roommate in college, too, who was just like, man, he was the worst part of Propagandia. Like, why would I listen to that fool? And I was like, whatever, dude. <laughs> to be fair, I was also, like, 11 or 12. Okay, so, like, sure, sure, I sure. was pretty young. This was probably after, like, Today's Empires came out. Which uh-huh. was, like, 01. So, I think Left and Leaving and Fallow were both out. Yeah. Um, And then... I don't, I remember hearing a side from Left and Leaving and being like, For oh, sure. like that song's really good. That's a song. And uh, so I got Left and Leaving. Uh huh. Um, and I didn't fully get it at first because yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that record is, um, it's their most, I think, musically diverse. Like opening with like Everything Must Go, like that's barely a song. There's a scale there or a spectrum that that exists on yeah. the record that I think the other ones are like a little bit tighter. Yeah, yeah, and like that one is very much I think the the boldest statement. Uh-huh. In, in terms of them like we're going to use a lot of timpani and we're you know yeah, just yeah, and yeah. I was still this was before Reconstruction site came out. So probably 2002ish when I finally heard Left and Leaving. And uh it just took time. You know, it was one of those records where there were songs that were immediate for me, like Aside or like This Is a Fire Door. And even yeah, really for but, sure. But like the songs that I would say are my favorite songs on that record now uh-huh. and have been for the past five or six years or beyond were took time to oh, yeah. hit me. Like Absolutely. Everything Must Go or uh, um, the title track, really. So yeah, like a lot sure. of it was just stuff I wasn't exposed to. And I had a very strong distaste for what was considered uh quote unquote indie rock indie rock yeah like, i yeah, yeah. hated it you had to I, be like defiantly against it yeah at, at that point I and that's it. what i was because yeah. i was like i liked punk and hardcore and like just very extreme stuff and this felt like the one indie rock record i liked and, it, yeah, and in a way sure. it was my gate in the way that like blink 182 or green day was my gateway to punk rock this was my gateway to indie rock yeah and even sure. a lot of um I, I guess just more experimental stuff uh-huh. um this was the record that would basically i would credit in turning me on to bands like bedhead or oh, yeah. things like that like oh, getting I'm into like cody kid currently too, yeah so. <laughs> like this record was my gateway to like a lot of slow core stuff yeah. which i grew to love you know and like and also was a gateway to stuff like super chunk uh-huh. because like that connection felt musically very there for yeah, me so like yeah, yeah. this was a it was a door opening record in a door opening band. Uh-huh. After I was like standing outside the door giving it the finger. Yeah, like really uh, that's not so into tight. it. Fuck yeah. I uh the first time I heard the Weaker Thans, um I had a a friend of mine who was my camp counselor. I was hmm. in uh I was in sixth grade and I was moving that summer from New Jersey to Illinois. And my best friend uh, lived down the street from me and he was a few years older than me. I think he was a freshman in high school when I was in sixth grade. And I knew I was moving, so I was... And uh, Gary, uh, my friend, was a counselor at... They called it Rec. And it was basically just like day camp um, in in our town. And, you know, I was old enough to stay home, but I was like, I want to hang out with Gary all summer. So I went to Rec all summer and basically like hung out with him and there were like some of the counselors that I was cool with 
one of them uh, was this dude named Chris, and I'll I'll never forget. Like we were AIM friends, and mm-hmm. then when I started getting into music, he was the guy that was like feeding me stuff. I talk about my dad a lot on this podcast as being like my big like music guy and chris is probably like number two in my life mm-hmm. um, chris number two from anti-flag it was chris number two from anti-flag <laughs> <laughs> no but i went i went back to new jersey when i was a sophomore um and you know just to see old friends and chris took me to a show we saw kill your idols mm-hmm. and um i'm trying to think of who else i think it was just kill your idols and like down to nothing and like yeah, it was like yeah. mid mid 2000s like melodic hardcore melodic yeah. hardcore for sure and he just gave me a stack of cds that was like three inches thick mm-hmm. sent me home um the first saves the day record strike anywhere i was trying to get into hardcore at that point so there was like bane and stuff like that sure sure um did notably it, did it come with one of the bane zip up hoodies where no. it says like <laughs> that's the best piece of merch for a band i don't like yeah for sure anyway um notably in that stack most notably was uh jersey's best dancers and hello bastards by lifetime mm-hmm. on one disc Ooh. i always listen to those two records back to back they're both and they're so short yeah and like it's, perfect right together. it's like 50 minutes yeah perfect and then left and leaving um which i also wasn't really vibing with because mm-hmm. it it really stuck out in that stack of cds and also yeah. there's a version that that disc that he gave me had a version of everything must go which i've never heard since then but it's different than the one that's on the record hmm. it might be a demo um but it's full band there's no like intro the vocals are kind of buried huh. a little bit too but similarly to you like once i went back to it a few times because it's like well chris mm-hmm. likes it he's sending it he's giving it to me for a reason but like a side kicks in yes a watermark kicks in and you're like oh okay cool i feel it <laughs> yeah no totally and i think that's the thing too is for me at that time i bought a lot of records that like i feel like i didn't vibe with immediately but there were little moments yeah or songs yeah yeah, yeah. but because i spent money and especially me like starting to buy vinyl in like the late 90s early 2000s uh-huh. like i bought left and leaving on lp yeah like um so i had to go through the whole thing if i wanted to hear right. the songs i liked yeah if i want to get to fire door i gotta get i through. yeah i mean i've uh-huh. got to do the whole deal yeah you know um and that i think is what really made me you know i, I had to sit with it yeah, you know, for there sure. wasn't really. Sk- I mean, I could skip, but I, uh huh. I don't know. That yeah. feels disingenuous. I, I, I think that there's one thing that I kept coming back to over the past week of listening to this band is that they are one of the most rewarding bands that are in my life. Um, the bands that you hear, you know, the songs that you hear a thousand times, are like when you know it finally mm-hmm. clicks. Yeah, yeah, and like, I, I don't know. They're, they're a band that I would say you know, is now something I would count as like having made some of my favorite records of all time. And I still listen to them and their songs are still hit me like they did yeah. when they first hit me yeah, fucking me over a decade ago. And I think that's really rare. And, and John Sampson is like one of the few songwriters where if he's putting something out, I'm going to listen to it. Even yeah. if I don't think it's good, like I've learned to spend time with it. Yeah, for sure. And it's, it's, we'll get to reunion tour, which is, you know, not my favorite weaker than's record, but I've been listening to it a lot more 
in preparation for this and just discovering all these gems that I mm-hmm. kind of written off before. Same. 100% same. All right. So, I mean, if you're listening to this podcast, you obviously know some of the bare bones facts. Um, the Weaker Thens are banned from Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada, started by John K. Sampson after he left Propagandi to start a publishing company. Uh, Samson wrote some songs in Propagandi. A couple of them were recorded on Fallow. He also released a cassette in 1993 called Slips and Tangles. Have you heard that? Mm-hmm. It's pretty cool. It is pretty cool. Um, uh, I listened to it in preparation for this for the first time and definitely recommend it to super fans. Um, Samson started this band with John P. Sutton on bass and Jason Tate and Stephen Carroll, drummer and guitarist respectively, who were previously in a band called Painted Thin. Uh, the first Weaker Thins record is a record called Sallow. came out in October of 1997 on G7 Welcoming Committee Records. Uh, it was produced by Ian Blurton, who produced all four Weaker Thins LP. Um, what are your thoughts on the record Fallow by the Weaker Thins? The thing with Fallow that always throws me is I always think it came out like in 95. Uh-huh. I, for some reason, it's a record that feels like it came out Earlier in the 90s to me. Yeah. Um, which doesn't make any sense in the timeline of things. Uh-huh. But every time I think about it coming out in 1997, I try to... I, in my head, I'm like, if I heard this in 1997, I think I would have probably almost completely written this band off. Yeah? Um, Why do you say that? Because it just feels so... Uh, I'm choosing my words wisely here because I don't dislike this record. Uh-huh. But it feels very slight... Okay. And the the big rockier songs on it uh-huh. all just sound like um, if I had heard this band in 1997, I'd be like, "Wow, dude really wants to be in the Smoking Popes, huh?" Sure. Um, yeah, which I didn't, that. which didn't really hit me until my most recent couple listens to it, uh-huh. where I was like, "Yeah, these songs are pretty cool, and I do like them," but. Um, you know, it it would be like, all right, here's some songs that kind of sound like the Smoking Popes. Here's some like kind of cool, more acousticy, mellow songs, and then here's a couple songs that were propaganda songs. Yeah, which yeah, is yeah. also really weird to me too, uh, because like on Less Talk More Rock, I really don't like Anchorless, but I like it more here. Yeah, I for like sure. this version. Uh huh. I I think Letter of Resignation was never, like, I don't think that's a song that needs to be in two places, maybe even let alone one. I kind of feel that way about, you know, also kind of liking those songs, not loving them, Mm -hmm. but I I guess, I don't know, it's easy to, like, sit and, like, scoff, but... Those songs have been recorded. Yeah. Like, we could, we, that record would be fine without them. Yeah, exactly. And it's not like those songs were hard to come by. Uh-huh. It, it just feels like a record, like, it feels like a first record. Yeah. You know, it feels like obviously trying to figure out what direction this band's going to go yeah, in. Yeah, for sure. Um, by and large, I do enjoy it. Yeah, I, I've yeah, just yeah. been shitting on it uh-huh. this entire time. <laughs> well, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I like it. I think there's, there are types of first records that exist in the world. There's the first record that is never, you know, the band never comes close to mm-hmm. to remaking it. Um, but then there's also first records that are just like, oh, you're kind of figuring it out here. Yeah. And there's like a couple missteps. Like, um, you know, None of the Above is a song that I like, but I mm-hmm. think they did like versions of None of the Above on the following records that are 20 times better than. Yes. It's one of those things where like, 
Uh, to your point, it's something I've heard a uh, former guest on the show, Brendan Kelly, speak about, which uh-huh. is the phenomenon you say of like, you know, if you don't make a great first record, that's ultimately to your benefit. Yeah. Because sure. you aren't measured against that. Like uh-huh. people kind of, I think, often are more willing to to see where you take things. Yeah. And I think this is that. And I think it's a record of all of them. Um, you know, I it's this along with Reunion Tour is the one I reach for the least. Yeah. And it's just and it's boat. not that they're bad. Uh-huh. It's just that compared to the two in the middle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which it's just hard to compare to. Definitely. And I I think I I find myself um putting on like making a playlist of about half of it. Making yeah. a playlist that's, you know, diagnosis and confessions mm-hmm. of a futon revolution. Yes. Um I we talked about this in the kitchen a little bit before, but like I'm a person that like for some reason I don't always just like hear a band like them and then check everything out. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I first heard the weaker thens when I was sixteen. I didn't get into Fallow until I was like twenty three. My Ooh. roommate played Leash for me. Mm-hmm. Cause I think I just had mentioned like, yeah, I never actually really checked out Fallow and he put on Leash for me and I was like, Whoa, that's yeah. a fucking song. Yeah, no, I mean that's the thing is I you know, when I got into them only left and leaving and fallow were out uh-huh. so after left and leaving i got fallow yeah and um i liked it okay yeah you know um there are certain songs like confessions of futon uh, revolutionist like like that's a great summertime like driving yeah, sure. windows down like uh, mixtape song to yeah me. i don't you know? know if you uh i don't know if you use the restroom at my place before but my uh, Illinois State University diploma is hung up on my bathroom wall and has been ever since I heard that line. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, it's just, it's, there's such brief flashes of genius on yeah, it. Yeah, for sure. And, but it was, even when I got it, you know, which was, I would say, a little bit before Reconstruction Site came out. Yeah. Once it came out, once Reconstruction Site was out, it was just... I think all those things were done better there. Yeah, you know, just like the straightforward kind of driving, but like ultimately pop songs. Uh You know, and like what I realized almost across the board is I almost prefer it when John K. Sampson isn't rocking. You know, and this is this feels like he's it's his rock record. Uh You know, Um, in a way that I feel like it's got a little more edge, and I think sometimes his voice doesn't always mesh with that in a way I love. Yeah, in the in the production, Uh this has such a '90s alt rock production on some of those tracks yeah and i feel like it um it it loses the nuance that he's always best at Uh he's a songwriter who deals in subtlety and when the guitars are cranked to 11 you lose it yeah you do lose a little bit one of the things that i do like that he does on this record that he never really does again is that he um there's like moments where he's like really creepy with mm-hmm. his vocal delivery. Yeah. Leash, obviously, but, like, that temptation call-out on yeah. Wellington Wednesdays, like, the way he says it, it's so just, like, weird and kind of makes you uncomfortable, but it's 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 something he never really does again, but I think his voice, like, benefits from that a lot. Yeah. I can see that. I can see that for sure. It's, like, listening to it um, the last couple of days, I've enjoyed it more than I think I ever gave it credit for. Yeah. You know, I think I, in my brain, it was always like, it's it's the first record, it's not really there. So I just don't put it on. It had probably been a couple of years since I'd listened to it in full, if not longer. 
And this most recent time was like, no, like, I think I was an idiot for feeling that way. Like, there's definitely weak spots. There's songs Uh I don't love. There's moments I don't love. But I was able to take it more on its face and feel like, you know, like, this is a good record. It's just not a great record. It's not the one that I, like, really fell in love with. If this was their only album, I Uh think I would speak about it a bit differently and always wonder what would have been. But knowing what came, you know, it's... uh, it's an interesting document for that time, knowing that it was probably made throughout. You know, some of these songs were written, yeah, years and years prior. These yeah, are probably definitely. it. Probably you know, and and I get it as someone who has been in bands where like toiled away for years to make a record where it was just like, yeah, I've had these songs for five or six years. I need them right, to be right. out, and, and I it think has that, that yeah, vibe. It does. It does. Um, I've always thought that like, you know, around like greatest hits collection, it kind of mm-hmm. just like tapers off like the last few songs are just like all right well we need to have 12 songs yes on the record which you know speaking back to the you know decision to put anchorless and letter of resignation on the record mm-hmm. propaganda songs like maybe there's something to that too where it's like all right well like we've got this good batch of songs we don't really have enough for an lp like how do we exactly how do we do exactly it? um but i i do like it i do like the way it stands as kind of like a document of like what this band will become and i think a lot of these songs like i put i put diagnosis on several mixes mm-hmm. um from like 2012 to 2015 when yeah. i was like having headaches and like a lot of these songs really fucking like standalone are great and yes like really really nice to jam too. absolutely absolutely um so in july of 2007 uh weaker thins released their second record left and leaving july of 2007 july or i'm sorry july of 2000 okay um maybe i misheard you but i was like no maybe i don't know i'm a a little nervous (laughs) yeah you're fine um but yeah this uh as we discussed this is the first first weekend's record that i heard and um i don't know if i'm revealing too much and just saying that it is my favorite and i have like a lot of fucking like personal connections to this Mm -hmm. when i was living in normal illinois um i was playing acoustic sets back in the day and my last show that i played in normal um i covered the first half of this record wow yeah well i covered everything must go through left and leaving but i didn't play without mythologies makes sense i tend to skip that song yeah yeah (laughs) yeah no same but yeah that was uh that was that was one of the favorite shows that i ever played i didn't tell anybody that i was doing it and um yeah i just fucking my favorite part was i changed the lyric from I changed the lyric in aside to rely a bit too heavily on Harrison Ford and 420 because that's about where I was in my life at that point. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. I have a, so I I have a tendency, regardless of the quality of the record, the first record I discover by a band, uh-huh. because I tend to have spent time with it, and that's what started the obsession or whatever, Right, remains my favorite almost always. Yeah, and, yeah. and that's the case here, but I was curious how you feel about that is that something that you feel happens with you and bands when you get into them i would say not always i definitely feel it with this Mm -hmm. i think that there was when i first heard this band it felt like they were filling a void that i didn't know existed Mm -hmm. of like hyper literate um 
not quite punk, but not quite like the indie rock of the time. Yeah. And so I was hearing it and just being like, I didn't know that I needed this. And I, like, I've just very, very deep set memories to, you know, hearing this record a lot and like really getting into it for the first time. And it's kind of hard to undo that. Yeah. I don't know if that's the way you, you I feel mean, about those records like that. The, the, uh, there's definitely certain examples. Like there's bands like this. Um, where I could recognize that maybe it's not their best record, but uh-huh. it's my favorite. Yeah. And I definitely have that with other bands, for sure. Yeah. You know, but it's also funny, because, like, as I was saying, like, I didn't resonate with me right off the bat, so it's like, I, I can remember the 12-year-old, 11-year-old kid hearing Everything Must Go, and it's like, why is this just a list of items? Yeah. Like, what the fuck Yo, is this? I love... There's not many of them, but there are a couple songs out there that are just lists, yes. and they're fucking always great yeah i always tried to write one i never really did but i don't do you know that band lamb chop they're yes, on merch yes, yes. they have a song called paperback bible mm-hmm. you know the song i do yeah fuck yeah that's a good list it is but i mean there there's a genius in it because yeah it's, for sure because it's the delivery it's the construction and it took me years well not even years but it took a while for me to get it uh-huh. and when i did i was like fuck this is so heartbreaking and he's singing about a cordless razor like right what yeah exactly. how does that happen right. uh-huh the, the, like you ascribe an, um, an emotion to something that is just like picked out of somebody's life yeah a hundred percent and here is my left and leaving hot take for the day record i love Record that I often, after the title track, can't get past. Because that song hits uh-huh. me too hard. Yeah. Like, that Yo, song needs you. to be the closing track. Uh-huh. Like, I don't know if I've ever listened to this record yeah. without listening to that song at least twice. Dude, I definitely feel that. Um, certainly driving around my fucking, like, suburban town mm-hmm. when I was 16 and listening to this record. Like, that's the song that I would bump. Yep. Um, driving around at night and fucking getting goosebumps thinking about it. Um, it, it's interesting that you say that. I've had I've had several discussions with a uh, friend of the show Terry Sweeney, um, who also has. I'm gonna like chime in on him later. Um, he doesn't really like the second half of this record, and I argue. I will argue to the death of the second half of this record is the like some of the most rewarding writing. I think it's great. Does. I think I think the second half of this record is great. I love the songs, but this is such a front-loaded album. Yeah. That like I often think, you know, like I it's one of those records where I say I would never change anything about it, but what really made this record for me uh-huh. and what um helped me really appreciate the second half was uh i think it was 2010 or 2011 it was reissued on vinyl as a double lp yeah and getting to take it that way changed my perception completely Mm -hmm. um having it broken up in this way just it, it i i often think of records so much because i've always been a vinyl dude and have been for 17 or 18 years that's been my predominant format that like um yeah it's just like to me that's how i view an album i think about it in the way it splits i yeah, think about absolutely. it in the way you know songs are grouped and, and i love sequencing sequencing mm-hmm. and i this is a band that sequences Very masterfully old. especially this one and reconstruction site absolutely so like you know as much as i feel like left and leaving is a perfect 
closer. Uh-huh. It's such a beautiful, crushing song. Yeah. The back half is not bad by any means. I think there are great songs. I think there is incredible songwriting. I think there's incredible lyrics. There's incredible playing. But there are definitely days where, like, I'll, I, after Left and Leaving hits, it's just like, okay, that... I'm done. For I, sure. I can't. For sure. You know? And it took me a it took me a really long time. It wasn't until maybe like three years ago mm-hmm. um that I really, really took to like Elegy for Elsabet, History mm-hmm. of the Defeated, yeah. Exiles Among You. And what really All right. Embarrassing fact about me. I think about this podcast so much. So uh-huh. every time I listen to somebody that I really fucking care about, I have like questions that I, yeah. um, there's so much dirty realism in this record that yes. I just want to sit that man down and just be like, dude, do you like Ray Carver? Do you mm-hmm. like Andre Dubas? Do you like fucking Richard Yates? Because there's so much like, he's always, he's always talking about class in a lot of different ways and those portraits especially on those three songs you know the guy with the sign slayer Mm t-shirt and um fucking you know she shoplifts some gifts for her family yeah a few things for herself like those are really really intimate portraits of like a type of working class that don't really get talked about ever exactly it's um and i think that's part of why this is a record that made me realize, you know, when I was talking about when I first heard it, I thought political music was propaganda. I thought political music right. was his hero is gone. I thought it was this type of angry, just fucking like livid at the world type of thing. Uh-huh. And this is a record that appealed to me in the same way that a Bruce Springsteen record does, where it's yeah, these very definitely. subtle portraits of life that I felt I understood. And it made me realize that like, Oh, this is the connection that I think I didn't see as much on Fallow. Yeah. And I think I see so much here in that it's, you know, this record of like, it's, this is a political statement, whether people recognize it or not. Absolutely. As much as there are lines on like left and leaving, like when I first moved to Chicago and I was broke and didn't have a lot of money, I would just, um, go for long walks yeah for hours just uh-huh. listening to records on headphones yeah, yeah, yeah. and just walking because i had nothing to do and i couldn't afford much and in the winter i did that in college too yeah. i didn't have any friends yet yeah so yeah I, in I the winter that that. uh like my my the way i lived in college was like i would go to quimby's and i would buy an old back issue of punk planet i didn't have for 250 uh-huh i would buy one record from reckless a week yeah and I would just walk. That was all I did. That oh, was like, those were my yeah, hobbies. Yeah, yeah. Um, but when it was really fucking cold and really painful to be out there, I would walk around listening to this record. Yeah. Exclusively. Fuck yeah. Just on repeat. Sometimes left and leaving the song uh-huh. for just 30 minutes. Yeah. But the the point I'm getting at is like, it's this beautiful record where like there's lines on like, this is a fire door, never leave open, that cut me to my core yeah, in an emotional absolutely. like relationship way uh-huh. and then there are songs like exiles among you that like or you know elegy for elsabet like that really do cut me in a different way that make me feel outraged that make me feel sad that make me look at the people yeah that yeah, i yeah. grew up with uh-huh. and think about them um and yeah I, f- I feel like now i would never skip the back half of this record but sometimes I just have to take it in two. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I think that like it's it's interesting the way like after 
left and leaving which the vinyl does, does that end the first disc yes okay. uh well yeah. i i would have to double check that one because i know like i own the original like single lp uh-huh. which sounds like garbage because this record's way too long to be yeah, on a single yeah, lp yeah. but uh yeah i i feel like i think it might open the the second di- i'm i'm yeah confused that was about the runtime for sure but yeah i'd have um, to double check but i i do feel like you know the songs that follow left and leaving except maybe my favorite chords my favorite chords is like a very like great standalone song which i think should also be the last song on this record i could see that yeah slips and tangles is like that's nice but like my favorite chords fucking kicks it well it's it's just this it's also kind of a unique song when you look at the track list here because it's really just kind of john and the guitar yeah, yeah it's this very kind of like um joyous song in a way that i don't think a lot of the other songs yeah hit for on. sure it does have like a really nice vibe it feels like they're kind of just like maybe they rehearsed it like three four times yeah um but yeah the last the second half of it feels like a novel you know mm-hmm. or, or like a, a collection of short stories whereas the other ones you know there's a lot a, a lot more immediacy to them and I feel like Everything Must Go almost relates to that as well, because it's like setting a scene. Yeah. And, and the back half of this record feels like that's a world these characters could inhibit. Like, yeah. they could be at this fucking garage sale. Oh, you for know? sure. And, and that's... It's a record I still find things in. Yeah, and, me too. And, absolutely. And, you know, that, that's, that's a rarity for me. Yeah. It's also... Um, this is one of my just favorite recordings that exist it sounds so good i i love the way the drums sound on it the tones on this record and that's the beauty and and i i spoke about this on fallow that i didn't really love the production Uh because i think so many of john's guitar riffs in the big rock songs like aside yeah yeah yeah. are subtle for sure you know that like little kind of not really noodly but just that chordal riff that opens it Mm mm-hmm if you're playing that way too loud, it's just muddy and lost. Yeah, for sure. And I think those are things that, like, you know, that's a s- song that you can play pretty quietly. Yeah. And it still carries that weight. And I think that's where this is really, it's just so perfectly constructed. The drums sound incredible. The yeah. guitar oh tones, to me, like, uh-huh. they're versatile. And every song feels like it was purposely recorded in a way to to really pull those things out yeah and, for sure. and if everything here feels deliberate to me even if i you know there's there's a song right in the middle that i think is maybe the one that i just go past every time yeah but aside from but like there are days where i'm like ah, i'm feeling it without mythologies yeah. for sure yeah like 20 percent of the time i listen to this record i'm like yeah all right cool because there's like that line about the sad table littered with chip plates i just yep. love yeah yep. but it's it feels almost just kind of like you know the the spoken word kind of just like we're just kind of putting this together uh-huh. like i i, yeah, I yeah, can't yeah. imagine how that song was written yeah and it's it's also one of those things where you you hear it for the first time and maybe you like it a lot but you don't really need to hear it that many times yeah it's it's the opposite of everything must go where it's this very kind of like um simple very uh drum based kind of thing in yeah. my brain mm-hmm. where everything must go i could listen to that song all day every day without yeah. mythologies it has a very different kind of like almost uh propulsive stomp to it which 
kind of, uh, it feels sometimes very jarring against what is being said and what is being presented. Yeah. But sure. yeah, like there, there are days where I'm like, fuck yes, this makes sense. I get it. And uh-huh. then there are days where I'm like, and we're moving on. Yeah. Because totally. <laughs> it's also flanked by two of my favorite Weaker Than songs. This is what, a Fire Door is, is my favorite Weaker Than song. Left and Leaving's mine. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, but they, but it's for similar reasons because they have some of the most subtle heartbreaking lyrics i've yeah, ever yeah. heard it's not overly dramatic it's not uh-huh. melodramatic but it's just these very slice of life moments that when i first heard them it's like oh i've lived that i yeah. felt that yeah i um i my parents divorced when i was in uh when i went to college they mm-hmm. they split up and um i was pretty mad at my mom about it, it kind of hmm. took my dad's side and it took a little bit of time for us to kind of like mend that. Yeah. Um, and when we finally did, um, and you started to pick it up again, I just remember hearing Fire Door, and that was like the first moment that I just like really, really identified with her, and yeah. um, just that feeling of 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 loneliness that um, that is communicated in that song especially you know the line about uh, the memory of a kitchen floor just mm-hmm. like fucking hit me I, I think i'm out of my mind every time i hear it um and i just i'm sorry i needed to say that no no it, get it, it. it hits in a fucking it hits in a really fucking particular way and um i think that's that's one of his strength samson as as just a portrait artist is that he fucking he gets in there yeah he gets in there in ways that are just not really explicit you just fucking feel it you feel the particularness of it no you do and i mean i had a similar thing like i'm from you know broken home Uh um and have no relationship with my dad at this point in my life and haven't for many years and so this record was like this is going to sound so fucking emo, but it was like my kind of heartbreak record for a yeah. lot because like I have never expected anyone to stay in my life. I've never expected anyone to, uh, you know, actually care about me. Yeah. So like my first, uh, you know, I stayed in really awful relationships where I was like basically, you know, like you know, the person like stabbed me and like was really shitty to me. And uh-huh. like, so this is a fire door. It was a song that I saw myself in, uh-huh. you know, someone somewhere, someone says, I'm sorry. And someone's making plans to stay. Yeah. That was like exactly me at 17 years old and 18 yeah. years old. And, um, you know, at the time I read it as like, uh, kind of uh, like, yeah, like a pat on the back. That's what you should be doing. You're sticking around. And then it took years for me to be like, no, like uh, sometimes you have to leave. Yeah. And uh, sure. and that's where, well, that's why left and leaving uh-huh. uh, quite appropriately <laughs> for sure. became my favorite song. Uh-huh. And like, it's, it's a record that is, you know, it, it, like all the best music to me, it speaks to the intangibles. Yeah. And it really hits on them in a way that like, me with myself and my family situation and my you know whatever and my relationships like spoke to me and and it it appears a similar way to you with you and your family dynamic you know and like 
it, it's those little things. It's the ability to capture the subtle moments that feel so particular, like talking about the kitchen floor that uh-huh. somehow yeah. hits you in a way that I'm sure he ne- like never thought about. Yeah, you know? for yeah, for sure. It's it, it's like those unconscious things that you kind of just like you know put out there as you're finishing the line, and somebody somewhere fucking hears it and and feels it but then he also does things that are like so explicit like in every mm. birthday card i threw away because i fucking remembered like doing that yeah. like plenty of times yeah but it, and that's the thing though is like that's the type of thing that that line uh-huh is it carries so much weight yeah for so many different reasons but the beauty of it is like the fact that he would acknowledge that as an important thing to put in a song is yeah. so del- like it says it speaks volumes about why yeah, a record absolutely. like this and why him as a songwriter is so singular uh-huh. because it's the type of moment that you look past it's yeah. the type of moment that so many people have had and like it speaks to both a self-assuredness and a loneliness uh-huh. all at once yeah, yeah you know and uh it's just it's a really beautiful thing and i think it's it's a magical thing and it's one of those records where like i legitimately feel bad for anyone who's not spent time with this album uh-huh. like it sounds so <laughs> shitty but like i you don't you haven't torn yourself up enough <laughs> but it's also like maybe it just speaks to like my fucked up life yeah. you know maybe this is a record that wouldn't resonate with someone who like had a better go of things i don't know yeah, like yeah, but yeah. but to me it's like the way that like uh the I, I i say this often but like the way that like i think a lot of for a lot of people like transatlanticism by death cab for cutie was that record for right. them this was that record for me yeah like, this was my like indie rock record that sent me kind of on a path that was like emotional and uh-huh. caused an emo or whatever yeah, but like yeah. it made me embrace um these very like hidden things in myself and pulled these things out of me and like it's a record that I, I go back to now and like when I put it on like it's a very deliberate like I'm feeling some shit and need to like I, yeah, I need yeah. to fucking be wrecked right now. <laughs> so like I, I can't just put this record on and feel okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's definitely true. There's a there's an investment that kind of happens pretty quickly because I think the the you know Aside and Watermark are, are such fucking rockers, and there's a, yes. a lot of like you know songs that I would like swig a beer to or something. But Pamphleteer is like the loneliest song oh. ever. I listened to it like oh. 15 times a breakup, and that happens really quick. Well, it's funny too because I feel like it's such an interesting thing to me because I've definitely, I um, that band The Wonder Years, I know is it's uh-huh. they either covered Aside or Watermark. I feel uh-huh. like Aside is like probably the most covered, it gets, weaker yeah, than yeah, song. It's um, <laughs> like I fucking saw Avlov cover it. And I was like, this rule, like <laughs> fists in the air moment. Yeah. But I saw I'm, uh, Bomb the Music Industry cover. Yeah. Too, and that was but it's also incredible. like, uh, it's one of the only, like, if that was your exposure to it, is seeing one of those bands cover it. If you're yeah. like a 14 year old kid who's into those bands, whatever. Uh-huh. I don't know why I'm like making it seem like only young people are into those bands. But sure. <laughs> for the sake, like, that's how I got into a lot of shit. So, like, yeah. Yeah, definitely. you know, seeing like, oh, they're covering so and so. I should check that out. Um, if, that was your exposure much like i i feel like a lot of kids probably had a similar thing to me where you're like what the fuck like i like pop punk what the fuck is this record you know like and so i'm very curious like if there is a certain subset of you know kids who have like 
gotten to this record through bands like just having to really kind of champion it and like side door that influence in i feel like there's a lot of people my age that really love this this record i I like that you brought up transatlanticism i've been thinking about that a lot because they seem to occupy this similar space where it's just like i guess for a lot of people that aren't maybe like as invested in you know punk or diy as as i am but you know like people that work at coffee shops that are my age love this record and they care about it the same and it carries the same weight as like a transatlanticism and in the same way i think it's the one record you Uh know like it's the one record they like they probably haven't listened to much of the other stuff like not to like stereotype but i think like this is if you've heard a weaker than's record it is probably this one well maybe reconstruction site maybe uh uh-huh but should we should we talk about reconstruction site? I think we should. It came out in uh, in 2003 on Epitaph, which I thought I've always thought was a really interesting label to be putting that record out because I can't think of anything that mm-hmm. sounded like. Well, this Well, I mean, I think this was around the time that they were really trying to to get into like weird business shit no one cares about. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Anti and Epitaph are basically like the two biggest labels going right now uh-huh. in terms of like pure like dollar value able to push out independent music yeah yeah, yeah. quotes um but epitaph was trying to basically you know at the time it was really trying to launch these sub labels like hellcat Uh and fucking anti and anti was the art label Yeah, yeah yeah but it wasn't really established and in order to establish something like that you need to have your fucking bands your that are they're gonna yeah. cross over. You know, it's like it's how the John K. Sampson records are on or the most recent one I believe is on Anti. Yeah, I think um, it is. So it's like, you know, now Anti has throw a rock and you're gonna hit one of the biggest names in music. Yeah. You know, sure. you're gonna hit a Wilco. You're uh-huh. gonna hit a Nico Case. But how would Anti build that label if they didn't have bands like this interesting okay that you're a little bit more in tune to the history of anti than i was i'm just a conspiracy theorist (laughs) when it comes to like why people make decisions in the music yeah yeah it's it's interesting i guess um like talking about anti because i think at this point they've come like not quite ubiquitous but ubiquitous adjace Mm -hmm. um and so yeah i guess i like i honestly i didn't even know that they were affiliated with um epitaph at any point so it's one of those interesting things where like uh to, to speak about it more transparently take a band like death heaven regardless of how you feel about them they're uh-huh. on, they're on anti because they would never in a million years sign to epitaph because they're going to lose all of their metal cred not that they had a ton but like if they yeah. did that they're they're now lumped in with mm-hmm. these things and it's like you can see epitaph trying to currently rebuild that legacy by signing your world is and joyce manners and sure pianos become the teeth but really you know those are all bands that like could conceivably make a shift to anti at a certain point so this is not about reconstruction site at all but this is just me uh ranting about music industry shit that no one cares about you're out of it now yeah in the clear it's great i don't have to do this anymore (laughs) i don't have to think about this shit ever again but yet i still do (laughs) anyway so um do you like this record when you heard it the first time i did it's weird in that like uh it took me a long time to realize i feel like it's a record that like has all those great things about left and leaving but it's uh-huh. 
it took me until this week to be like, oh, this is a pop record. Like yeah. these songs don't have a lot of edge. They don't have a lot of bite. They don't even have a lot of experimentation. It's just this beautifully distilled, streamlined pop album. Yeah. Like the fact that this record didn't have the band like playing huge crowds or huge festivals or like really crossing over in radio. Like these are songs you could hear on the radio alongside really any, you know, indie alt thing from that period, especially in 2003 when like Transatlanticism came out. Right, right, right. This band should have been like posters on the wall of the OC, Uh you know, but wasn't. Yeah, and maybe we'll get to that at the end because I find it interesting that they never transcended in in that way i didn't really like this record when i first heard it i was like really invested in left and leaving and i believe that i bought this the week that it came out and i was just like it feels a little clean Mm -hmm. the songs were short which i thought very short weird yeah it really threw me off that you know i'm five tracks into this thing as quickly as i am oh so what about it? Was there anything that jumped out to you initially that you did like? Um, or was it a very visceral, like, ah, this is not my thing? One of the things that um, I think t- tangentially like marks the way I think about it now, because I, I, I really did come around to it um, in my 20s. When I was in college, I was like, oh, shit. Mm-hmm. Okay, I get it now. Yeah, um, yeah. I think that... I, I felt like it had a, a lot of gloss to it, which I still think it does. It does. It's, it's a much tighter production. Um, but I, one of the things that I think now, in comparison to Left and Leaving, is that while there are some brutal lyrics on this record, it doesn't go into the depths the way the Left and Leaving does. It's no. a little cute at times. And he has moments of cuteness throughout his shit, but like... There's some there's some stuff on here that's like, all right, dude, I that's clever. I'm not gonna deny it, but it's like it's not as dirty as the other two. So the when you when you're talking about this cuteness uh-huh. and this kind of like, uh, there's a song that jumps out to me that I love on this record. Yeah, but I think it's a lot of people's like, oh, that's the weaker than song. Uh huh. Like that's the one I love. Is that the one you're talking about? Are Is you it- talking about the reasons? I was talking about Plea from a Cat Named Virtue. Oh, Plea from a Cat Named Virtue, I'm so down with. Okay. Because it's like, it is really cute, but there's, it's just, it's, it's hard to not love that song. That's it, how I feel. Yeah. And I, yeah, yeah. For a second, I was like, oh, are you like, you shitting on this one? No, I'm definitely not shitting on Plea from a Cat Named Virtue. I once wrote a song called Plea from a Roommate Named Dan Compton. Dan Compton was my roommate at the time, and I wrote this song about how all I do is like smoke bongs and watch pro wrestling. Um, it wasn't very good. But... It sounds pretty tight in, in concept and theory. Yeah, definitely like an okay concept that I completely stole from somebody. But um, the reasons I skip about half really, the time, yeah, I don't, I don't need to hear that chorus ever again. I love the verses. I think the verses are great. I think the uh, the the dog metaphor is really good too. But I think that's a good example, too, of like, you know, uh, how the past chews on your shoes and these memories lick my ears. It's clever, mm. for sure. But it's just like a little bit like... A little... Yeah. So a little you, surface level. So you do, in fact, roll your eyes at this. Oh, funny. <laughs> um, no, I mean, I get that. Like, it's... Uh, I don't dislike it in that way uh-huh. but i think i've always just kind of viewed it like this record to me i 
I just don't feel as connected to it. I think I would almost argue like this is maybe a better record than Left and Leaving. It's very tight. Yeah. There's not a lot of filler, and I think it's like a band really just like I would say almost every song, even though I am very bad at song titles on this record, uh-huh. every time one comes up, I'm like, oh, I know this fucking chorus. Yeah, like, for you know, like, sure. It feels like a record of jams. Uh-huh. And like the reasons to me is like Manifest feels kind of like an intro. Yeah. Though yeah. I though I quite like it. Uh-huh. You know. But the reasons feels like, all right, this is like the kickoff. This is what this record's gonna be. And it just kind of establishes the form to me. Yeah. I, I, I would vibe with that too. And I like I like the reasons as a song. I'm just not too keen on that uh that chorus. I mean that chorus is it's a lot. Yeah. You know? But I think there's um in a similar way, that's part of why I like it is because it's like that you know, compared to Left and Leaving, I felt like I almost need this kind of record where it is a little more like uh just transparent. Yeah, you know? for sure. Like I kind of like that this is a record I don't have to think about as much. Yeah. He's just given it to me and like these songs like as much as I think it's incredibly corny, you uh-huh. know, like the chorus to the reasons, like there's part of me that's like, Yeah, I've put that on a mixtape or two. Yeah, for sure. You know? I have as well. So and like uh... It's it's a record that, like, for, you know, granted, there are songs like fucking Hospital Vespers on this, or, like, you know, like, there's just really interesting little scene yeah, setting, like... I, yeah, for sure. You know? I, um... All of those are formatted as sonnets, and I would definitely recommend anybody listening to this to read the three of those side by side, because it's really incredible yeah. what he does in there, and I think that, like, some of the, you know, point A to point B to point C kind of gets lost, just yes. the space in between these songs, but... Yeah, I mean it's it I guess I, I guess the th- the thing in comparing it to Left and Leaving is that if he made another Left and Leaving then we w- wouldn't be talking about it in the same way yeah. as we are and and I appreciate that. And and I and that's the thing is to me reconstruction site has always uh this is like a weird way to look at it but the, to me this record feels like a better version of Fallow. You know, it's it's, sure. it's it's songs that are a little straighter, a little shorter, uh-huh. a, a little more just like overtly like kind of rocking in a way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, but it feels like a better version of that, you know, and like it feels I, I like that it doesn't feel one to one in that comparison. Uh-huh. But every Weaker Than's record to me feels like a very deliberate thing. Like it, it's taking you into a world. Yeah. And Left sure. and Leaving is a very dark, very sad world uh-huh. and this one is a little more like you know windows down it's the summer fucking you can you can pump this one a little yeah, bit yeah i'm, I'm, I'm not really that. like you're like man it's a gorgeous day here's fucking everything must go like <laughs> yeah for sure you know so like to me it's like uh or it, at least like on left and leaving like those songs are really like they stand out as the windows down songs and this like whole record is kind of a windows down well thing. And, and you brought it up at the top like it's so short yeah that it's like i think that's its benefit is is the reason i say it's like a perfect pop record uh-huh. is because it feels most aligned to like the great pop records of the 80s like privatized by hollow notes or, sure. or like records like that where it's so fucking tight uh-huh. these songs don't do the the 1990s victory lap thing of like where every stone temple pilot song or pearl jam song is five minutes long yeah, yeah, yeah. it's like it doesn't fucking insult your intelligence and beat you over the head with a chorus uh-huh 
it makes you want to click replay. Yeah, it makes definitely. this record want to end and you want to start it again uh. because you're like, wow, that was like fun and like the songs are memorable. And I think that's why I like it so much is like it feels I, I think it's maybe why it got glossed over. Uh. Is it because, you know, you can't really have radio success when your song's half the length of every other song. Mm-hmm. But I think that's why it holds up so well. These don't feel dated to me. They don't feel really mired in a time. Yeah, this feels sure. like a record that could have come out now. It feels distinctly modern to me. Yeah, there's a lot of, like... I think the guitar playing on this one is, like, very comparable to you know some of the some of the movements of the past couple of years the emo movement and shit like that a hundred percent it's a pretty twinkly record it is um and one of one of the things i like about it too is that if you look at those first two records like the slower songs are really like spaced out like it's it's Mm -hmm. chords that hang and there's a lot of like mellow songs on this record but they're all like really tight like my favorite songs on this record are song for the elks lodge and um and fucking what's the other one times arrow Mm -hmm. just because i love how fucking tight they are and like 100 that's that's something that i think makes it a lot more you know you talk about it like a pop record it's really really easy to take it all in because it kind of like exists on this plane that that definitely has dynamics Mm -hmm. but it it all has a feel to it like a, a sheen in a way and yeah i mean that in the best possible way no yeah i i think you know i love pop music really unabashedly yeah and like i'm a big fan of like studying how pop records are constructed especially you know i i made a reference to like hollow notes but like that's a band that i think is super underrated because they had singles but they made fucking records yeah like eight nine song sure. tight records that were just jams and and really felt coherent you know yeah, they weren't yeah. It's like it wasn't like here's the ballad or here's the art track. Right, right. It was just like we just want to make a record of pop songs, and that's what this feels to me. Even when it slows down, uh-huh. it doesn't feel you know um, arty. It doesn't feel experimental, and I mean that in a good way. Yeah. And yeah. I do wonder, you know, like it's it's as close to like a pop punky record as they ever made. It's not very punk, right? But like, you know. There, there's a little drive, there's a little oomph to them, and and I sure. think you see the influence of this record, like you were saying, more now than any of the others. Yeah, definitely. You don't. Yeah, I, I think that maybe the the influence that people take from the weaker thans, aside from just like trying to be like a lyric master the way John is, is from the from the way this presents itself. Yeah, because it's it's a record that's it's a it makes you think. You know, there's stuff to read into here, quite yeah. literally. But, you know, you can do that over two or three chords. Yeah, you know, you definitely. Didn't, you don't have to do this orchestral build. Uh-huh. You can just, you know, kind of hammer on a power chord and sing about, I don't know, fucking cartographers, and it's yeah, fine. Yeah, you yeah. know, like, it's cool. <laughs> and, but, and I think that that opened a more thoughtful version yeah. to, to, to people of, like, what, you know, quote-unquote pop punk could be. Yeah, I like that. Uh, I would like to give a shout out to Scott, who we discussed earlier, uh, who gave, who played Leash for me. Uh, it was his birthday last November, and mm-hmm. I gave him flowers and a book by Derrida. Oh, man. And his return gift was uh, uh, a Joan Didion book and a Cops DVD 
from that Mountain Goats cover of Jawbreaker. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. That is great. Uh, to me, it's funny you bring up Jawbreaker because I was going to mention it earlier. Jawbreaker and The Weaker Lands are two bands that are forever linked in my mind. Maybe yeah, not through too. sound, but uh-huh. because of those type of things and every record feeling distinct and different. Yeah, yeah. And just the like the literary aspect of it too. Oh, I think one hundred percent. Yeah, I've read I've read plenty of books based on jawbreaker recommendations. Not so many as I grow older because because Kerouac yeah. kind of fucking sucks. Oh yeah. <laughs> Dude, like one of the big disappointments in my life was reading Kerouac because of Jawbreaker and being like, yeah. really dog? Yeah, for sure. Like it's like I get it, you're from like the bay, but like chill yeah. out, dude. So reunion tour, the final Weaker Than's LP, uh, comes out on Epitaph. Uh, Epitaph. I always say Epitaph. I think I did it yeah. earlier too. Whatever. Um, Words are dumb. Yeah, it's a uh, construct. September of two thousand and seven, and you know, I we kind of touched on this earlier. This is one that hasn't hasn't ever really clicked on or for me in the same way the other ones have. Um. Only very recently have I come to appreciate it more. When I first heard it, uh-huh. I was definitely disappointed. I, I definitely felt like, I don't know if I'm going to go back to this much. Like, yeah. I bought it when it came out, but it was just kind of like, all right, this is not this is not the one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Looking at it now, there's definitely more forgettable tracks to me. I think so. Um, but there are some really fucking good ones. There's some I really like. fucking good ones on. Um, like I sure. think Civil Twilight is a killer opener. Silver Twilight is a killer opener, and there is something like I was trying to talk to talk to my friend Terry about this um, recently because the second and third tracks feel like they shouldn't be second and third tracks and he's he's like you're crazy for that but he's crazy because this is his favorite record and i'm still i'm just like trying to meet him halfway (laughs) i okay so my feeling about this record and it's a record that i feel like i've only come around on in the past year because of john k sampson's most recent solo record winter wheat Uh because this record feels deliberate like very transitory to me there's like hints of like kind of electronic elements uh, dashed in and not it's not like heavy-handed in any way uh-huh but it feels like it's it's the type of record that would come out and the next one would be like this really grand embrace of of electronics it would be this yeah you know yeah, like that. very different feeling record which i feel winter wheat is there is a lot of it's very sparse there's there's it's less traditionally rock oriented yeah yeah and it feels like that record couldn't have happened without this record to me yeah i could um, see that but that being said, like I, I like this record. I agree that the second and third songs don't. It feels like it almost sags immediately uh-huh. because of the high of Civil Twilight, and then Tournament of Hearts kind of brings it back. Yeah, yeah. Um, I really like Sun in an Empty Room, which I think is like a record that could a song that could have been on Reconstruction Site. Night Windows is great. It's like, funny because I think that my favorite songs on this record are the ones that are most akin to Reconstruction Site songs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel that Tournament of Hearts. And Sun in an Empty Room, Night Windows are the ones that I gravitate towards because they sound the most like Weaker Thans. And some of this, you know, the transitionary aspects of it, like the guitar effects, to me, like, I don't know. The guitar effects don't really age so well for me. Well, it definitely feels like one of those things where, like, listening to it, it's one of those records where it came out in 07 and you'd be like, fuck, like, this sounds crazy. Like, the production on this is wild. Uh Now, literally 10 years later... It definitely feels the most 
of its time in a similar way to fallow it feels like it's trying to do um as i said earlier fallow and reconstruction site are linked in my brain because of what they kind of you know project to me right a little more straight ahead Uh this one feels linked to left and leaving for me and that it tries to split that difference of like having the kind of straight ahead songs and these a little more artier pieces yeah but a lot of the artier pieces just feel forgettable like uh-huh. they, they don't commit fully is often what it feels like to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It feels like they're trying to do it, but are maybe being too concise, not mm-hmm. allowing themselves to expand and, or in some cases using like guitar effects or like slight electronic, like bleeps and bloops here and there yeah, to yeah. kind of sub in as like an afterthought because the songs maybe aren't all the way where they need to be. Yeah. I could see that. I will, I will say though, um, I, I listen to this a lot in preparation for it and if anybody wants to spend like a good hour hour and a half the genius uh pages for this record are really really well Mm -hmm. annotated and he's talking about like a lot of canada and a lot of like weird sports things and a lot of these songs have really cool stories too so i definitely like recommend anybody checking those out those annotations are fucking awesome and that like brought a lot of appreciation to me too like reading the words to elegy for gump Horsley, which i don't know why i never really paid attention to it before because i love hockey i love mm, hockey so much too. and I, I love gump Horsley. and there's a really awesome shout out to george plimpton who mm-hmm. um he's basically writing like a george plimpton story in this song uh george plimpton's kind of a hack but you know it's it. the thought that counts, yeah, yeah. but there's a Plimpton list of uh, objects hurled onto the ice by New York Rangers fans, which, going back to the list, list. trope, yep. it's, it's fucking awesome. Um, and I, I really, really took to that song in the, like, the last few days just because I think that, like, aside from being from Canada, so he's obviously got a connection to hockey, but, like, if, you're, if he's going to talk about any type of athlete, like, he's going to talk about hockey players just because you know going back to that like dirty realism of earlier it's like these are people that are like beaten up and and not of the social ilk that yes. other athletes are and i think that there's a lot of cool, like cool things that he does in unpacking that there oh completely and like me being a big hockey fan it's always been so interesting to me because this band is very linked to that in my brain uh-huh. and it's so funny because like oftentimes when a a band is like using sports at all yeah it's like all right we get it your slap shot or yeah, like you know like sure. it's very like jokey or very tough guy uh-huh and i think that's what allows a lot of this to maybe slip past people yeah because sure. he's he's picking these people who do have like these aren't glamorous you know it's not like the fucking like alex rodriguez's of the world it's yeah like, these are like fucking old hockey players Yo, who like got the shit beat out of them reference right there yeah. <laughs> uh yeah exactly uh <laughs> But, you know, you know, like, that's kind of what makes this so fascinating to me is, like, he's someone whose lyrics you think I, you have to read into. And yeah, that's for sure. super fun. Uh-huh. Um, but I don't know. It's one of those records where I'm like, I always go back to it. <laughs> it's close to uh, it's close to dinner time, so she's, getting a, little... she's getting a little antsy. Yeah. Um, but it's one of those records where I'm always, like, every time I go back to it, I see more in it. 
Yeah, for and sure. I'm like, maybe in five years this will be the one for me. Right, it did come out ten years ago though. <laughs> like, I mean, at what point does it does it click? Well, it's one of those things where it's it's also the record I've probably spent the least time with uh-huh. because of that. Like, I'll just kind of like pick the singles, yeah, digitally, and like I be of when it came out, I didn't have to spend as much time with it as yeah, I did the other sure. ones. You know, like even in 2003 when Reconstruction Site came out, like I wasn't like downloading stuff as much you know like when this came out like that was probably my first exposure was downloading it and just being like all right and then buying the record and listening to it a few times and like i honestly don't know if i've invested as much time in it which is really i certainly haven't yeah we're spoiled we're spoiled rotten Mm -hmm. um i will the only time i've ever seen the weaker lens was at south by southwest right after this record came out and the set that they played was very heavy reunion tour Uh and a little bit of reconstruction site and that was it and i've always been sore about that i never saw them oh wow um the last time they came through which was like i think 2010 they played like bottom lounge and uh-huh. it sold out before i could get tickets because i was Damn. broke in college so i never saw them and i uh i probably never will and that's okay right um but it's one of those things where it's like it's Giving me the appreciation that if I did whatever they would give me, I'd be okay with. Yeah, you know. For sure. But but I definitely think like I've I've had experiences with artists like that where like I've seen them for the first time and it's like ah, they're playing new stuff from the record I don't really love. And yeah, I, and like I want to hear this shit and it just makes me like get a bad taste in my mouth for what is probably otherwise a great record. Yeah, for sure. And going back to it, we're spoiled rotten. Totally, hundred percent, hundred percent. Um, yeah, I think I think that this record will will kind of. You know, I think it's going to slowly click for me. And I think like this, like latest round of listening to it. I like it more now than I ever did before. Same. It's same. It's still it's number four on my list. Same. Um, I I agree with all of that. (laughs) But I would say the highs, like the great songs on this record are some of the best. Absolutely. It just feels uneven. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So after Reunion Tour, they released a live record in March of 2010. Uh, they played as Jim Bryson's backing band for his record, The Falcon Lake Incident. Um, have you heard that? I've not heard that. It's pretty good. It's it's worth listening to, for sure. Huh. Um, and yeah, John put out a solo record in January of 2012, and then the, just kind of Fell went off. inactive. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and very, like, unceremoniously announced that they were breaking up. Through a tweet. Yeah. Which, what a time to be alive. Uh-huh. And did you write about that? Uh, I didn't. I wanted to because, like, there was a... I think that it was a piece on Noisy that came out shortly thereafter that kind of addressed how I felt about them, which is, like... Or someone wrote something, long uh-huh. story short, about how, like, they were kind of this, you know, really important, almost, like, gateway to indie rock band for a lot of punk kids, which yeah. I think is so fascinating. But also, like, a band, it, when you say we're spoiled, like, I took for granted. Yeah, because, for sure. Because similar to Propagandi, who had, like, a fucking lengthy period between records, didn't tour a lot, da 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 I just always assumed the Weaker Thans would be there. I just always assumed I would get more Weaker Thans records somehow. Yeah. And, um... I kind of, I mean, the newest John Kay record is, is feels like that because people from the Weaker Lands played on it. And yeah, it's like for whatever. Sure. But like, you know, they were a special band that I think they have a cult following, but it's definitely a cult. Like they were underappreciated in their time. And like, absolutely. Part of that was also me not going out of my way to see them or appreciate it 
in the way I yeah, felt I needed yeah. to. Yeah, it's interesting how that works, and it. But it's it's also it's it's a cult band that's like if you know the weaker than you know all the words to all the songs on Reconstruction site. Yeah, and that's like super special. I was just in the car with a bunch of kids when I was down at WrestleMania, and I put it on my phone just because I knew that when I was driving, I could put it on and four fifths of the car would be totally happy yeah guaranteed and it'll be in five fifths of the car which is Hell yeah. nice. well and that's the thing too is there a band that like i feel i can you know for me they're like the you can put them on at a party yeah or like or whatever you can like show them to someone and there's a lot to be found there i think they have a lot of resonance outside of the world they came from yeah and i think that's really cool too Uh you know it's like i've met a lot of people who aren't into a lot of the same stuff as me but know the weaker lens and that's like a bonding point yeah and that's really cool because they were never huge they were never massive but you know i i'd be lying if i said when they broke up i wasn't a little shocked i was always like I always had this thing. I was like, they're going to put out a new record. I know it. I know yeah, it. Yeah, I feel that didn't. way too. And I guess like, you know, every time... We Are Lens are a band that I listen to three or four times a year. And that's all I listen to for three or four days straight. Yep. And, it, and it's interesting, you know, when I list my favorite bands, they're not the first band that I list. Nope. Even though every time I'm back within them, I'm just like... It, it's similar to that feeling that I had when I was 16 where it's like, this is occupying a space that nobody else did. And I didn't even know it existed. Yeah. Well, and I think that's the thing too, is where like, where I'm listing my favorite bands, I always forget about it. And then they break up and I'm heartbroken uh-huh. for a week. <laughs> or like, I'm talking to someone and they're like, yeah, I really like the weaker than I'm like, Oh fuck. Like, yeah. let, let's talk. You <laughs> right. Know? Like, for sure. You know, like they're one of those strange bands where like, I, they aren't the band um though i do know someone who has like the cover of reunion tour tattooed on them um like i was gonna say like they're not really the band that at least to my knowledge people like have tattoos of like they don't have the iconography that sticks out in the way of like whoever the fuck right you know i'm I'm looking at our jawbreaker tattoos yeah exactly (laughs) you know but like i you know they weren't shrewd marketers of themselves yeah for sure you know and i wonder how much that ultimately played a role yeah that's that's definitely because they always kind of, to some extent, they were kind of kept secret. They were yeah. kind of a, you know, an indie band for punk kids. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they, they never really reached those death cab levels. And to some extent, I'm thankful for that. I agree. And I also think it's it's part of it. And this is something that's, you know, people, it's less of a thing in 2017 but being a band from Canada doesn't help you make become successful in the yeah, states. You know, yeah. like there are bands that are ginormous in Canada. Not that I'm particularly a fan of either, but you could look at like Billy Talent or like Alexis on Fire as like key examples of bands that play arenas there and then uh-huh. come to Chicago and play Lincoln Hall or yeah, smaller. Yeah. And I, you know, I do wonder how much they weren't fucking touring super hard, right? You know, like they weren't road dogs, like. Um, they're more Jesse James's, um, <laughs> but like it, I saw you come up with that in your head, and yeah. then wait a second, and then you just dropped it. And I'm so thankful for. it. I was like, this is the right crowd for it, but yeah. is it too dumb? <laughs> and the answer to both was yes. Yes. Um, but you know, like I, I, 
stuff like that had a bigger effect when they were active. Yeah, for you sure. Know, it, it really, really did. And uh-huh. um, and I think that there are, like, there aren't too many examples of this. There's a lot of examples of bands that were too English. Yeah. But the Week Events were a really Canadian band. Very, very. I mean, like, that's the thing. is like us talking about hockey. Like, I have an appreciation for that because I grew up on it and uh-huh. like, studied it and, like, yeah. love a line like the Jets were lousy anyway. Oh, my God. Uh, that's fucking the best line of that song. Oh, <laughs> I was looking at uh I was looking at the um standings for for the NHL today. Yeah, yeah. And saw the Jets like barely over 500. They're and, still lousy. And that was the first thought. I was like the Jets were the lousy. The Jets were anyway. lousy anyway. The guests who suck the Jets were lousy yeah. anyway. Yeah, and like it's shit like that where like okay, I get both those references. Right. But also I'm a fucking nerd. Yeah, totally. Like you play that for, you know, most people are like, what in the what? Like, yeah, for sure. And granted, or it's just not... like all these songs about like you know, North Kildona and stuff like that. <laughs> well, shit like that, or even like, uh, let's go back to uh, this is a fire door never leave open. The way he says sorry. Yeah, and and I I I think that that's that's something that he does not that often, but he does it very pointedly, and it's very very uh, it's very tight that he you does know, that. and like that's the thing is like I I wonder. Like I was saying, what I mentioned earlier, like they weren't going to have the OC kind of breakthrough of like Death Cab, right? Where it's like, oh, you can put that poster on a wall and people recognize it. These are like, like their names not very large. There isn't like, a, like the fucking cover reconstruction site, like you know, that's not the most. I think it's beautiful, yeah, yeah but yeah. it's not going to grab people for you sure. Know? Like even though they were always a pop band at their core, they had this like look outside looking in it's easy to see them just as an art project yeah you know yeah definitely or you know one of the things that i did last night was i read the pitchfork reviews for reconstruction site and left and leaving and that was like i think pitchfork's become a like pretty level-headed website at this point in time they weren't then and there is they just looked at looked down upon in such a way of just like a this is a punk thing and we don't think punk's that cool. Yeah, I mean, they still don't, to a degree. Yeah. But um, what were the grades these records got? Because I, nev- like, I don't know if I've ever looked at that. It was like five and a half and six, I hmm. think, for Left and Leaving and Reconstruction. Somewhere in the middle where it was just like, we're going to take a couple pot shots and that's kind of it. It yeah, was yeah. just kind of a, like a sit and like shit on it a little bit i mean not as bad as like they did on the promise ring or the get up kids but yeah which is so fascinating um for real but uh that's a good point though too because like they didn't have the aura of cool of a lot of you know right i brought i've brought up death cab 17 times but like they didn't have the good reviews they didn't have that like mythos around them they were Uh just you know they were like punk dudes doing their indie band and like i you know that wasn't gonna resonate with um critics of that time yeah you know now sure. i think people are a lot kinder to that and recognize punk as a more real art form um but at the time that was not gonna ever cross over and i still think we're we're i i was thinking about this yesterday in fact how like pitchfork will like give an emo record a good grade because that's like arty punk or thoughtful punk right but like they aren't going to ever give a straight like an actual punk record a good grade that's yeah, not yeah, yeah. going to happen uh-huh it's gotta it's gotta mess with the formula in some way it's gotta have some sort of like tag that's like you know 
this isn't this isn't this isn't what what you think punk is yeah like yeah. May, maybe uses punk tropes but in this new way yeah and i mean like you know granted they've given like jeff rosenstock's worry a good grade or yeah, like yeah, the yeah. last pop record but which they'll I never do tag like, it no yeah. no and they're never gonna be like wow like this is a cool punk record that's important like that's not going to happen yeah and i don't yeah. expect that to happen uh-huh. but like i do wonder you know there are things like that where uh, you know would what a good grade if reunion tour got a seven right right if left and leaving got a best new music is that uh-huh. are we t- are we living in a different world right well i gotta say i'm kind of glad that i've got this we've got this thing to ourselves I no me too this band me too I, I love them dearly it's a band i like you said i don't listen to them often part of that is because of the emotional stuff it pulls out of me yeah but when i do i'm always like man this is like the best fucking this band. Is the best fucking i thought band. about tweeting yeah. that the other day where it's like i know opinions are like assholes but if you don't like the weaker lens you're a fucking asshole <laughs> Oh, it's beautiful. I think it's a good note to end on. Do you have anything to plug? No. Any writing or anything like that? I'm writing for a blog called Post Trash, which uh-huh. is run by Dan Golden, who runs Exploding in Sound. It's a great little blog. Yeah, so if like, yeah. you actually are really into like small weirdo shit, read it. There's great stuff. I'll be writing there more. And uh, yeah, probably do it. I'm, I've decided that like I didn't want to get paid for the first month for writing. Yeah. Because I, I didn't want to have to think about page views and money and all that shit. So I'm just kind of like... I want to tap back into why I started writing about music when I was a kid. Fuck yeah. So I'm doing it for free and I'm doing the thing. So just, yeah, if you, if you see me tweet something, click on it maybe. Uh-huh. You're at DB Anthony. Mm-hmm. Right. I'm at Swingin' Party if you want to follow me. Do you mind if I do the fucking, like, shtick, the, like, end of the podcast shtick in front of you? Do it. Is that cool? Do it. Subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. Rate it. Write a review. Send me a message on Facebook. People the website. Better yet pod.com I'd like to thank David for coming by and doing this I had a great time I think we should do it again at some point you gotta say something on a microphone oh yeah, yeah. oh we're still going yeah we absolutely should pick a band <laughs> I'll talk about them uh, yeah. can I do the thing I've always wanted to do on this podcast yeah hey alright <laughs> alright come back next week thanks Bubba's Bring your own lampshade Somewhere there's a party Here it's never ending Can't remember when it started Pass around the lampshade There'll be plenty enough room in jail Being wrong's a crime I'm serving forever Being strong's your kind Then I need help here with this feather